Well, good morning, everyone, and it's good to see you. And as we uh, are here on this cooler day, we're going to have an opportunity to open the Word of God. And today we're going to take a chance to look back into the Word of God because John has directed us that we're now in John 20. It's taken us well over a year to get to this point. So we've been in John. Is anyone's Bible just automatically opening up to the book of John by itself without a tab or anything? Mine's, my spine is broken here for John because we've been here so much. So, But it, it, it hadn't it been enriching. Hopefully that you look, look at the front of your bulletin, if you would. Just flip your bulletin over on the front. And you probably have seen it so much. Jeremiah created that logo for us. When we talk together about logos, Jeremiah kind of puts my thoughts into a picture. And he does a really good job. Look at the front of your bulletin. What are some of the words that you see on the front of that bulletin? Mercy. What else? Call it out. Grace. Love. Keep going. You, you, haven't, hit, you haven't hit the most important one yet. Jesus. So the last year and a half or so, we've, we've, our whole goal was for you to meet Jesus. And you've seen him in different capacities. You've seen him from when he's healing people. We're going to talk about that today. When he's casting out demons. John's given us an overall picture of showing us how miraculously Jesus lived this life. He was God with us. John even starts out, he's going to tell us, he starts out John 1 as if we're back in Genesis 1. Because I'm going to tell you today, if you're a guest with us today, if you're a church member or you're far from anywhere, if you get God wrong, you've got everything wrong. Your whole life's messed up if you have God out of order. Now in our culture today, Everybody wants the God of their own choosing. I want to make my God a God of love. My God has no hell. My God has no, no judgment. My God doesn't, uh, he tolerates every sin that's under heaven. But I want to tell you, those gods are not the God of the Bible. God's very clear. He speaks clearly when he talks about sin, what's unrighteousness. And God is very clear about what's righteous. And he wants us to live a righteous life. So it's not that we have a choice to make. God has already made the choice. Someone has once said, if God said it, I believe it, that's enough. But hold on before you amen that. That's not true. If God said it, that's enough, okay? You can amen that. If you believe it, that's not up between you and God. Listen, God's already, he's made his truth out there. He's put his truth out. Whether you believe it or not, that's on you. It doesn't change God's truth. If someone stands up and screams and kicks and hollers and says, I don't believe there's a God or I don't believe whatever God says, what is that to us? We just won't put you in a place to teach the Bible. We won't put you in a leadership position in our church. Matter of fact, you can even be a member of the church if you deny Christ and his lordship of the church, of Christ's body. So today, as we look into Jesus, we're in chapter 20, John chapter 20, only two verses. And you think you're going to get out early on these two verses, but we're going to go back and look at everything that John's talking about today. So uh, maybe we will, maybe we don't. We'll see. But what a wonderful way to start the day with worship and baptism. That's what the Lord commanded us to do after we believe. And as Mike said, we have the warm water. We'll be back here at 5 o'clock this evening. So if you want to be baptized, we will baptize you today if you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And baptism always follows believing. That's why it's called believer's baptism. All right? Let's get into the Word today, and we'll see. John chapter 20, beginning of verse 29. And, and I'm going to, this is Thomas, where Thomas has, he's, from last week, Thomas has seen Jesus. He's touched his hands, or at least he's been offered to touch his hands and his feet. And everybody, I've heard preachers just kill Thomas. Have you ever heard this? Thomas gets ridiculed for being doubting Thomas. But what did Jesus appear to the disciples before, if you were with us? What did he appear to them with? He said, look, look at my hands and look at my feet. Look at my side. 
He gave them the evidences beforehand, and, and I'm sure they went back and told Thomas, we saw his hands, we saw his feet. And I think this comment from Thomas is, if I, unless I see his hands and his feet, I won't believe. Meaning, I don't believe you guys. Or how do we start something that's incredible? We go, this is unbelievable. Have you ever started like that? You won't believe what happened. Well, why are you telling me if y'all won't believe, right? If it's unbelievable, why are you telling me? It's just an incredible event that's happened. And, and so I think Thomas heard of this incredible event. He had a hope. He had a trust. He wanted to, but until he actually had evidence, he, was, he wanted to see it. So Thomas, verse 29, Thomas, Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Who would that describe today? It's me. That describes me. I'm a Christian. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I haven't seen him. If you've seen Jesus, you probably need to check what you believe, right? Uh, Jesus is not revealing himself to folks. There's apparitions and things that people are seeing. Uh, the devil can appear as an angel of light, so be careful to test everything according to the authoritative source that we have, which is God's holy word. This is the authoritative source we have left here on the planet. Now, verse 30. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So verse 30 is, okay, I believe that, but it's really not helpful, right? <laughs> Thank you, John, for telling us that Jesus did other stuff that you couldn't tell us about. Okay, we believe that, but other miracles. But then verse 31 is for you and for me today. This is, a, this is a, one of those hang your hat on this verse. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have what? Life or eternal life in his name. John's very clear. There's things that are written. So we have to ask the question, what things? What things have been written? Because if we want to get to the place of our sermon title today, Reasons to Worship and Not Worry, what things were written? If you've been with Town Creek, been with us for some time worshiping with us, what things have we preached about for over a year? So we're going to go back and look at those what things in just one chapter. And you might pick out something else in these chapters. I had to pick one. I was limited because there was multiple things that Jesus did in each chapter. So let's go back. If you would, take your notes. And we're going to take your Bible and your notes. And we're going to kind of play back and forth. If you didn't get notes today, raise your hand to ushers or bring you a bulletin. Because it's important. Listen, we want you to share this at your home, at your church, with your family. Whenever you get together, this is the information we want you to take with you. We don't give notes because I hate writing notes and giving it to you to actually, I hate to put it in any kind of format because it just consumes time and I don't like to be stuck by notes. But why do I preach with these? It's so that you might have something. My job is to equip you for the work of the ministry so that you might go do the work. That's why you're equipped. That's why you have notes today. So if you don't take notes, sometimes you say, well, I'll remember that. Adrian Rogers said the weakest ink is stronger than the strongest mind. Meaning, if you write it down, you might recall it. All right, let's look together. Bow way back to John 1, verses 1 through 14. Again, I told you when we started, John relates John 1 all the way back to Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 1 says what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know that in our society, in our public school textbooks, and colleges and universities, for the most part, that is challenged. That, listen, we believe there was a big bang and this explosion, and we go through the whole process of trying to explain science in a different way of where origins, where we come from. So I asked a kid that transferred to our school. He's coming in from public school, and I said, hey, tell me, do you believe in cavemen? And he goes, oh, yeah. I said, what period of time after the dinosaurs? When were the dinosaurs here? Oh, millions or billions of years before humans. I said, well, is that what the Bible teaches? Some of you are science majors, and you come to biology and chemistry and different things. 
Can I tell you something this morning? Can there be death without sin, according to the Bible? The Bible says there is no death apart from sin. So sin is the cause agent for death. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's very imperative that you have that on there because you just can't have eternal life just because you want it. You've got to have it because Jesus said so, and you trust him as your Lord and Savior. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And you go down day one, day two, and it's like setting up, I tell children sometimes, it's like setting up an aquarium if you're going to get that first fish. You usually get the aquarium, and then you put some gravel in the bottom, and then you'll put a little floating scuba diver in there maybe or something, and then you'll put a filter system. You'll have it just right. Have you ever seen children take time to put a fish aquarium together? Anyone ever seen it? Our parents do it, and for the kids, they're so excited today, we're going to go get our fish. Whatever type of fish it is, you're going to put in the aquarium. And when you put the fish in the aquarium, what should happen? If you fill it up with city water, what's going to happen to your fish? He's going to descale and probably flip upside down, more than likely, right? Uh, he's, he's not going to make it because he's not used to chlorine in his water. Well, today's fish might have adjusted to that because we seem we, we, we damage water all over the place. But we build the environment so the fish can live. Same thing when you read Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, you see the picture that God is creating all the environment for man to live in, all the environment for birds to prosper, all the environment for everything that was there to prosper. So John takes us all the way back to John chapter, I mean, Genesis chapter 1, in John 1. And he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's saying, Jesus is God. Everything that was created was made by the hands of Jesus. You say, well, I, didn't, I don't know that. I don't understand that. I wasn't taught necessarily that when I was a kid. I never put the two together. Maybe I didn't listen. But no one ever told me that Jesus was the creator. And in America, we say we are endowed by our what? Our creator. This is where we get our rights from. Is from God, our creator. So in reality, what are we saying in America? We get our rights from who? Jesus. Jesus gives us our rights. So uh, many people argue uh, that our founding fathers did not believe in, they were deists and different people, but they put it in our text that our creator gives us our rights. Not the government, not other men, God does. Specifically our creator who is Jesus Christ. Look at, look at what he says in John chapter 1 verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. Now, now we got a conflict because there's so many churches teaching there is no Trinitarian God. Who is he there with? Who is Jesus if Jesus, what, what, let me clarify for you. Let's get into verse 3. So before you enter that, all things were made through him and without him what was made? Nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Back to that student. So we have day five, and then we, all, we see everything that's happening with the birds in the water, and everything's fixed, everything's separated, everything's just right. What does God put in the garden? Well, lo and behold, he puts animals in the garden. Who goes first in the garden? Animals are there. Can they sustain life? Every fruit of the tree, all the nuts, every vegetation. Everybody was a vegetarian, even lions, any animal you want to choose, was there on day six. God looks, says it's good, it's good, it's good. And then what does he finally make? Genesis 1.26 says, let us. Who's us? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make him, male and female, them in our creation. 
So all the animals were made before Adam and Eve were, were created. They were created from the hand of God. They were made intentionally from God. And John's trying to get us a picture to see, look, Jesus was back there. He didn't just pop in Bethlehem that day and all of a sudden become. So he was so from everlasting to everlasting. But when he created the heavens and the earth, he had this aquarium, this environment ready for man. And then he creates man. And the Bible says he made him from the dust of the ground and he, he breathed the breath of life into him. And today when you take a deep breath, scientists would say, doctors would say you're breathing in oxygen. And we, we get all this, that have all these scientific studies from that. But let me tell you, that breath that you just took come from God. You don't function without the breath of God that he gives to you. That's why we value, the, we value life because God gives life. But also let me tell you, Adam was created there. The very last thing that God created was Adam and then Eve. And Eve was, the bone of the flesh was taken from Eve and, and the bone was taken and there he created Eve. And God looked at everything he had made and the Bible says he says what on day six? It is very good because there's nothing God does that's very bad. Only Satan brings about confusion. So God says it is very good. So let me ask you a question. Did the dinosaurs roam the planet before Adam? The answer is yes, a few hours before he got here. It's not a few million years or billion years. Teach your children the facts of what Scripture teaches. Were there cavemen walking around dragging their women by the hair going, ooh, ooh, ooh? Who was taught that growing up? Anybody taught that? Raise your hand. Come on, y'all ready? You were not taught that? I was taught that because we came through the 70s, right? He drugged his women around with a club in his hand. Ooh, ooh, right? Cavemen. And then we evolved from this. Have you ever tried to process through how evolution is supposed to work? How a pond scum turns into a chicken leg, turns into a chicken half, and then a chicken neck, and then a, where's the brain in all this? Where's the heart in all this? It eventually gets there, right? It's, it's ludicrous. But anyway, let's play the game. So all this process happens over millions of years. That's not what the Bible teaches. And I told this young man, listen, there are cavemen and cave women today. Because you can pay a lot of money out in Arizona to pay to live into a cave. Did you know that? And if you're a man living in a cave, guess what you are? You're a caveman. If you're a woman living in a cave, guess what you are? You're a cave woman. But there was never any time either we didn't go from stupid to intelligent. We went from very intelligent to, unfortunately, the Bible says we're getting wiser and weaker, right, in the days ahead. What's happening, we're getting technologies taken over. How many of y'all have a, a vacuum cleaner that vacuums for you? Don't raise your hand. How many now, even now, Chevrolet has a truck that drives for you? Uh, artificial intelligence, y'all going to see it this year. I'm reading reports. It's going to blow our minds what's happening this year. It's not always going to be a good thing. It's coming. It's here, but it's, it's coming this year, a revelation of what's, how AI is taking that huge jump. It's amazing. But John's looking here and saying, listen, I want to tell you, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what does that give him? John is establishing the authority of Jesus Christ as God. If you read that, you go, well, okay, he made everything. So you continue to read through verse 14. You can go on. Now let's go to, so Jesus is God. He created all things. Let's go to John chapter 2. We will go through the Bible. Jesus did what? You know this one. He turned water into wine. So many alcoholics use this verse to justify drinking. Well, Jesus turned water into wine. That was his first miracle. Every, if somebody argues that with you, they're an alcoholic, just for the record. Just, just they love drinking their alcohol. And just don't go there with them. Because my question is, what kind of fruit, what kind of grapes did he use? What kind of fermented grapes did he use? So the answer is, he didn't. He spoke it into being, and it happened. Water turned into 
to wine. The best wine, it says, even there. Here's the other question. Well, was it alcoholic wine? You'll even hear preachers argue over this. How stupid can we be? Listen, will God ever do anything that's evil or cause you to sin? So that when the Bible, your King James Bible says they were well drunk and then the wine comes out, all it means is they were well fed. They had drank a lot. You ever drink a lot of liquid, sweet tea, whatever it might be, water, and your stomach's full? You eat watermelon. We feel this when we eat watermelon. We'll cram down watermelon. So good, so sweet, so good, so sweet. And then somebody comes and says, hey, let's go eat some burgers. And you're like, Ugh. That's what he was meaning. When they were absolutely full, out comes the good wine that God had spoken into being. So it wasn't some alcoholic beverage. God will never do anything to cause people to get drunk. Because when you drink, listen, the Bible calls it a sin. So God would not lead you into sin. James says that you are not led into sin because God made you sin. Never say that, he says. You're led into sin because you first think about it. And then when you think about it, you dwell on it. And when you dwell on it, you consume it or you do it. And then sin enters in and sin brings death. James chapter 1, read it for yourself. It's very clear where sin comes from. It comes from your two ears, in between your ears and your heart. You choose it. You do it because you were born a sinner. We'll continue. Jesus offered what? In, in chapter 3, Jesus offered eternal life. You know the answer to this. It's up on the board. Jesus told Nicodemus through John chapter 3, you must be born again. Do we have any options? Can you buy your way to heaven? Can you give to the poor enough? Can you do any good deeds? The Bible is very clear. Jesus himself is very clear. Who is our creator? Who is our savior? Who is our sustainer? Who is our Lord? He said, you must be born again. And if somebody says, well, I don't believe in being born again. End of conversation. You just called God a liar. Why would you spend any time talking to that person? Don't try to convince them because in their mind, they've already been given over to a deranged mind. They've chosen, I will not do what God says to do. Can't help you. Can't talk you into it. Can't cry you into it. I could pray for you, but listen, you've made your mind up for that time and that being, that place. End of conversation. I would encourage you to walk away. That is some either rotten fruit or that is some green fruit not ready to be picked. Walk away from the conversation. Don't argue them. You will never argue anyone into the kingdom of God. If they're dead set, that they, I don't believe in being born again, they're dead set on saying Jesus lied. Would you agree? In John 3, 3, look at it. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Either you must be born again or Jesus is a liar. Would God ever do anything that would lead you to evil to lie? No. So when you preach the word or teach the word, when you're telling a friend, hey, you must be born again, they say, I don't believe that. The thing is, end of conversation. You just called my God, my creator, your creator, a liar. Why waste time? We don't waste any more time. We just move on because our job is to plant the seed. Our job is to water the seed. And who brings the harvest according to the scripture? God, our creator, does. He's the one that actually brings the harvest. Just like he did in the physical garden, he does in the spiritual heart of mankind. Well, John chapter 4, let's go to verses 43 through 54. And I know there's more in this chapter. There's a lot you could choose from in this chapter, but Jesus preached about the white harvest. The white harvest is ready, it's ready to be picked. And I think about it, every time I ride by the cotton field at Wendy's mom's field, when I see that white cotton, I'm like, that brings my mind back. I know it wasn't cotton he was looking on. He was talking about the wheat is ready. The people are ready. And by the way, listen, when days get evil, that's when the light shines brighter. Did you know that? When it's dark outside, you got this bright light of God shining. That's when it gets better and better and better. 
Well, Jesus healed the official son there in John chapter 4, verses 43 through 54. And he tells, he tells the story of how it actually happened. In verse 39, he talks about being the savior of the world. And this nobleman, the Bible calls, uh, that's what the title the Bible uses for him, or this official. This man actually sees that Jesus Christ can do a work from a distance. If he's God, you can, listen, you can just speak the word, not even come to my house. You can just speak the word and it happens. And what did he do? Obviously, Jesus spoke the word, and the boy was, was healed. Well, this is how he does in our hearts today as well. If we ask him to forgive us of our sins, if he draws us to himself, as soon as we ask him to heal our broken hearts, he says yes, and he heals us. Well, John chapter 5, now we're in chapter 5. Jesus healed the lame man by the sheep gate pool. He says, why don't you get in the pool? Because there was a, there was a, whether it was a, a tell or whether it was something that happened, that the, the pool was stirred, and the first sick person that got in the pool would be healed. And he says, I have no one to put me in the pool. And Jesus says, do you want to be healed? How about that for today? Why do people not become Christians? Why is everyone not taking God up on his, his offer of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord? Why does everyone not stand in line saying, I want that salvation. I want to be saved. You know why you don't do that? It's because you are those people love your sin. You choose your sin and your way over God in his way. Everyone does that. Whoever, whoever doesn't choose Christ first chooses themselves and their sin because they love their sin. They're passionate about their sin. And their sin could be pride. It could be arrogance. Well, you don't understand. I grew up poor. You don't understand. I was abused. You don't understand. I have a lot of money. Well, I think Jesus covers all those things there in Scripture, does he not? The rich man who had much money, he walked away because he was extremely wealthy. He knew that he couldn't leave his riches because he loved his money. This is what keeps us from Jesus is our sin. Well, then the Bible tells us in there in John 6, chapter one through four, uh, verse 1 through 14, Jesus fed, and I put 5,000 people and I stopped. And then also the scripture says, plus women and men, I mean women and children. So it should be 5,000 men in your notes. 5,000 men plus women and children because just the public service notice, women and children are people as well. All right? So don't hold me to my English there. But that he, 5,000 plus, you think about, well, we know that story from Sunday school. Okay, try it for yourself. I'll bring a donut up front, and you come down and just divide it with 50 people. Right? If we have one donut, you come and divide it with 50 people. Could you do it? Everybody might get a lick off of it, and you would have some kind of disease afterwards, but you're not going to divide it where everybody's full to the overflow with leftovers. It's not going to happen. You say, well, why are we going through all this? John said, these are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Right? He's the Christ, the Son of God. I'm writing these things. I'm writing to you that he is our creator God. I'm writing to you to tell you that he is a healer. I'm writing to you to tell you that he's a provider. John's going down this whole list saying, listen, what more can I possibly say to you than what I've written because Jesus is God? And I want you to believe that. John didn't believe. Listen, John was an Old Testament saint, if you will. He was an Old Testament Jewish boy. They were roughnecks, right? James and John. Think of all the different guys that Jesus called. What were they called? Sons of Thunder. Isn't that an awesome title? That's a good biker gang, right, if you had a biker gang? I would want to hang out with those boys. The Sons of Thunder, that tells me they fought like crazy. They were into everything, right? And if it was ready to go, they were on go. That's my kind of guys. But look at him now. He's got a heart for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got a heart for you, and he's never seen you. John had never seen you guys. He's writing in the inspiration of God saying, listen, I'm writing these things down that you might believe in Jesus. 
because he's our provider. He is everything that I'm telling you. We've seen this for ourselves. Well, let's continue. In John chapter 7, Jesus spoke doctrinal truths of God. Doctrinal truths are, if God said it, that's the end. These are, doctrine means teaching. That's all it means. When we say doctrinal truth, did Jesus teach the truth? Well, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. If he is the truth, can he teach anything but truth? Yes or no? Can Jesus ever lie? No, it wasn't possible. So don't even get into those scenarios. Was Jesus tempted? All those crazy movies that are made about Jesus and all this lifestyle of Jesus dating Mary Magdalene or having a child with Mary Magdalene, it's nothing but foolishness and poppycock. That's what it is. It's foolishness. It's from the devil. It's not from God. Jesus could not sin. Jesus would not sin because Jesus Christ is God. According to the authoritative source, our Bible. Amen? Some people says, I don't believe that. Again, we're at the same point, aren't we? I can't help your unbelief. The Jewish leaders here that we talk about, the, where Jesus splits the unbelievers and the believers, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace to you. Everybody thinks he's, he's the prince of peace. He's going to bring peace inside the believer. But in society, Jesus didn't come to bring peace to society. If you pray for world peace, stop it. You're wasting your time and your breath. You can pray for the peace of Jerusalem, right, of Israel. You can pray for the peace in your family. But if you pray for world peace, it's not going to happen unless you are the group of people that's called a preterist, someone who believes that Jesus has already returned in AD 70. There's people, your friends, some people used to go to our church, believe that Jesus has already returned. And we're living in the kingdom period now. It's just getting better and better and better. Anybody believe that? You can't stop reading the Bible. You've got to read it all, the good, bad, and the ugly, right? Jesus spoke doctrinal truths, and of course it divided the group. John chapter 8, Jesus declared himself God. He says, I am. He called himself the great I am. And they understood. Listen, some people say, well, Jesus never said he was God. He never said the word, I am God. Over and over and over, Jesus showed himself to be God. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Well, today that doesn't mean much to me and you, but these are people who said, Abraham's our father. We root all of our stuff back to Abraham. And Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. They understood that he's saying he's calling himself Jehovah. He's calling himself God of all. And that's why they wanted to kill him. Look what they do when he says that. They pick up stones and want to stone him to death because you're calling yourself God. You're blaspheming holy God. And he wasn't. He was just saying, this is my name. Back when Moses was told, guess who told Moses? And when the people ask who my name is, tell them, I am sent you. Who was speaking? God the Father? Yes, God the Son, yes, God the Holy Spirit, yes. Who split the Red Sea? The Father don't leave the heaven to mess around with water, does he? Who descend to split the Red Sea? The Holy Spirit. Listen, you're going to see the Godhead works flawlessly and always in unity. That's why when there's disunity in the church, it makes God highly upset because that's his body. When the ear gets mad at the eye, when the eye gets mad at the mouth, and when the mouth gets mad at the hand, what do we do? Y'all have done it before. We talked about this week in school. If you're hammering something and smash your finger, what do you do? The feet do what? They start running. What does the other hand do? Drops the hammer and does what? Grabs the hand. What do the eyes do? What does the mouth do? Right? You ever bite your nail because it hurts so much pressure on it, you put pressure back on it? Yeah. And what does your voice do? Our Father who art in heaven. 
Hallowed be the right. So you start, you, you want to you hope that everything comes out right and don't do it in front of other people, right? But you, you start, we call it dancing the jig. The whole body's responding to that one thumb that hurts. And that's how we should be today. That's what Jesus told us when Paul gives us the picture back in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. There's many, there's a diversity of gifts from the Holy Spirit, but there's one body. God always brings unity to the body. I always never forget that. If someone wants to talk about someone, walk away. Walk away. Don't let that trash get in your ears. Don't let that text get in your eyes. Walk away. Be like Jesus. Amen? Because when we meet Jesus, we can't walk away from him. All right, here's what we continue. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. You need to read all that chapter. And I would tell you to read these chapters if you haven't been with us. And if you have, read them again. Jesus healed the 40-plus-year-old man who was born blind. When was he born blind? Yeah, when he was born, okay? I just want to make sure this is elementary 101, but sometimes we get, we're like the Jews. They're going, was this man really born blind? They know he was. They've seen him in the temple. They've seen him in the area. Was he born blind? The answer is, you know he was born blind. You've talked to him. You've probably knocked him over if he was a bad kid, right? You put stuff in his way and tried to trip him when he was little, right? Anybody ever try to trip somebody with a special needs? Yeah, there's bad people out there, aren't they? There's people doing it still today. But he was born blind. Everybody in town knew it. If you tried to help him, you tried to help him with his lunch. I'd put on those Lunchables. If he had those back in the day, he couldn't feel how to get it done. Everybody did something to know that he was born blind. Everybody in town knew he was blind when he was born. And who'd they think? Jesus? Even the disciples said, who sinned? His mom and daddy or him? Well, can a baby sin from the womb? Born a sinner, but cannot willfully sin because they can't make choices yet. Sounds like a sinner because the way they scream and do the other things they do to us, right? Want their diaper changed, want to be fed and do it all over again. We understand what the Word of God says. We would say too, oh man, she, she can't get a break. He can't get a break. Must be something going on in their life. They must be living in sin. We'll do the same thing if we're not careful. And God's like, sometimes God will bring judgment. He will, right? He says he disciplines those he loves. But for the most part, what does he do? It's just being in these bodies called biology, called it being a human. Well, Jesus healed the 40-plus-year-old man who was born blind. John chapter 10, Jesus affirmed his Messiahship. He divided the people. How did he divide the people? Those who believed and those who were unbelievers. Those who believed, those who were unbelievers. And it's happening today in our society. It's always something going on. Those who believe and those who do not believe. It's a choice that we make when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, go to John chapter 11. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Have you read this lately? Read it again. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus has been dead on the fourth day. I told you the Jews' custom was on day four, you start to stink. You start to rot. Your body's decaying because of the weather and because of the way they had to embalm you. And even his sister said, Lord, he stinks. I used to say King James. I don't know if it even says anymore, but he stinketh, right? That was my funny, favorite word to say back in the day. I made it up. He stinketh. He stinks. We understood that he was decaying according to all standards of society. He's rotting. His body has decayed, and there's a smell that happened. And Jesus said, roll the stone away, and he called Lazarus' name. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walked out with his grave clothes on. Listen, do you see the picture of Jesus trying to renew life here over and over again when he's healing the blind man? What happens whenever you can actually see Jesus, the light of the world? What happens when you can see him? 
you are released from your sin and you have new life and new light in your eyes. What happens when you're healed from your sickness, your brokenness there, when he heals physically, it's a picture of him healing the broken hearts, those who have bad histories in the past, those who have been done wrong in life. Jesus brings healing. He's the ultimate physician who loves you. Every one of these has a spiritual connotation to it that Jesus is trying to show us something. I love you this much. All of us are hit somewhere on this place. Man, I feel like I can't see. I feel like I'm so hurt. I feel like I'm dead. I want to die. Jesus says, listen, I can bring you new life. Then when you give your life to him, he offers it to you, and you receive that gift, the Bible says, he gives you new life, and he gives you the peace that passes all understanding. Then you go from unbelieving to believing, and then you walk through life with him. People might laugh at you, make fun of you, but here, remember, that's this cross hanging behind us. They crucified him our Lord and Savior. They mocked him. They spit on him. They punched him in the face. They did all kind of cruel things to him throughout his life, and all he did was love them back. What a great God we serve, church. Let's continue. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. By the way, if you read that, they planned, the Pharisees planned on how to kill Lazarus right after this. Did you know that? He was raised from the dead. The story's going around about Jesus. Only Jesus could do this, and the Pharisees got together like this. They had a church council meeting and said, how can we kill him? They were planning to kill the very man who was just raised from the dead. Unbelievers will do unbelievers things, right? John 12, Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey. He was announced the king of Israel. He didn't announce it. Everyone around him called him king. Hosanna, save us now, king of Israel. John 13, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He demonstrated kingdom leadership. Guys, listen, the God of all creation who created mankind, when he formed those Ugly feet of those disciples, right? They were beautiful feet to him. Those nasty feet that no one took the time to wash feet. Jesus, creator, bent down, put on a towel, and washed their feet. The very ten toes that he had created, if they had ten toes. You know, there was a guy in the Bible that has six toes on each foot. Goliath's brother. Everybody can read. It, those created toes, he washed those toes. Isn't that amazing to you? The very dirt that he made them from, he washed off their feet. Because no longer are they dirt vessels walking around. They're made in the very image of God. Well, let's continue. Jesus washed his disciples' feet when he demonstrated the kingdom leadership. He showed you and me how to actually love each other. Verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 1 through 31, Jesus preached about heaven and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we want to sensationalize heaven. Heaven, listen, God told us just enough about heaven to get us there. Because we knew all about heaven, what we do? We'd accept Christ and then go jump off a bridge somewhere, right? But he wants us to be saved here and hereafter. He has a plan for us to get our job done here. And, and then when we finish, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that's going to be for a short while. And then we're going to be living in the new earth. Did y'all know that? So heaven's not our final destination. There's a new heaven and a new earth that's coming. And God has that in store for us according to his word. So he preached about heaven, and he preached about the Holy Spirit. He even breathed the Holy Spirit we read last week on them. But what we do today is we try to sensationalize heaven. We try to sensationalize the Holy Spirit, and we leave Jesus out of the conversation sometimes. But there is no getting to heaven unless you go through Jesus. There is no receiving the Holy Spirit unless you go through Jesus. Do you understand? According to what he's taught us and what the authoritative word, what the Bible says. Not what preachers say, not what teachers say, what the Bible says. Always hang your hat on what the Word of God says because he absolutely knows all things because he's God. 
Well, Jesus preached about the heaven and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in chapter 15, Jesus commanded love from his disciples. John 16, Jesus committed God's love to his disciples. John 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples. And by the way, if you read John 17, it's a beautiful chapter. Jesus prayed for you. Jesus knew you were going to be here today. Jesus knew where you're going to be in life. He knows all things, and yet he prayed for you. Not only these, he said, but those who will believe, those who are to come. Isn't it an amazing thing that I was on his mind when he was praying there that day? You were on his mind. He knew all about you, and he loved you enough to pray for you. He knows when you are very faithful to him, and he knows when you're unfaithful. He, he knows all things, yet he loves you. Jesus suffered for being the truth, not just telling the truth, but for being the truth. He suffered. John 19, Jesus was crucified on the cross. He died and was buried. That argument's just about gone away because there's no way to survive the scourging that he had. But some people say there's a thing called the swoon theory. And the people teach it, and there's preachers who will preach it today. They teach that Jesus just fell asleep. And then he woke up in the middle of the night, and he rolled the stone away, and he walked out. They know nothing of the beating that he took. They didn't study the, what the scripture says. They just made up a theory because if, if that's true, then even preachers who are lost, and they are people standing in pulpits that are lost today preaching their word of God. They call themselves a pastor. They call themselves men of the cloth and now women of cloth. They, they call themselves different things. And the Bible is very clear. You must, you must be born again. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life. There's no other way to the Father except through him. You must trust him as your personal Lord and Savior. And you don't get to heaven on your own merit. It's undeserved favor from God. It's God drawing me and inviting me to the party. It's not you crashing the party. You're never going to crash the party in heaven. If you're not invited by the Holy Spirit, then you can't come. You saw I was invited years ago, but I just said no because I had a lot of stuff going on in my life. Well, I don't know how many times God invites you. And I believe, listen, like Pharaoh, Pharaoh had a chance to let his people go, right? But the Bible says for five times, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And the last five times, guess what? The Bible says God hardened his heart. You want it that way? I'm going to give it to you the way you want it. And that's what happens to us in life if you're not careful. So don't play with God. God's not playing around. You might sit in here today and be a very person in here and, and be lost and know that you're lost and something die inside of you where you can't be saved. It's happened. I've, I've witnessed to a man years ago. And I said, listen, the Bible's clear. You're dying. You know you're dying, but you must ask God for forgiveness and ask him to come into your life. He said, I believe all in Jesus. I know everything you're saying. I'm a sinner. I'm a rotten sinner. I was in the army. I did all kind of worst things I could possibly do. But I want you to know I will not and I cannot tell God I'm sorry, and I will not ask him to forgive me. And I said, I must be saying it wrong. Let me start over. And he said, young man, close your mouth. I've heard clearly what you, I know what you know. But I'm telling you, I cannot and I will not accept Jesus Christ. I cannot tell him I'm sorry and I will not ask him to forgive me. You need to leave my hospital room. The man died within two weeks. I went back to church and told the other staff I was with, they said, listen, y'all have got to go to him. He's not saved. And they're like, oh, Clint, you just, listen, you're just being a little evangelist. You gotta, you're just going a little bit too aggressive there. He's been a member of this church for X amount of years. It was 40 plus years. I said, I don't care what membership says. That man is lost by his own words, by his own Words, he knows that he's lost. Y'all have got to go to him because I must be too young. and I must have said something wrong. I, I didn't put something in order. I don't know what I did. Y'all got to go to him. As far as I know, they did not go to him, any other, any other minister. And he died two weeks later. His funeral was celebrated. He had, what a man of God he was. And I'm at the funeral going, he's in hell today. 
He's in hell based on his own words because he would not trust Jesus Christ. And they're celebrating those kind words being said about him. Great family man. All these nice things that said about him. And yet he, I know for a fact, if, unless he asked God the last moment of his life, he denied the Lord Jesus Christ and refused to repent of his sins. And while everyone's saying nice things about him, I'm thinking, oh my God, he's in hell. Listen, that's the truth from the word of God. God won't force you into heaven, but God's going to call you and call you and call you, and you must receive him as your Lord and Savior. Jesus was crucified on that cross. He did die. He was buried. In John 20, where we are today, God raised Jesus from the dead, and Jesus appeared to his disciples more than one time, more than 500 disciples he, he, he appeared to, and John says, these are written that you may believe. These things I just give you just to highlight, and there's more these there than just these, but I gave you these that I got out of the scripture when I went back just to highlight. These are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ is God, right? He's the Son of God. He's the Lord. John's like, I'm begging you to read this and believe, because surely something stirs in your heart going, I will not believe. I do believe, and I want to receive it. How do I do it? It's simply this. God I'm sorry for my sins, because we know we're sinners, right? Even kids know they're sinners. Would you forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and my life? I believe God raised Jesus from the dead. I really do. I, I really believe it. I've never seen it. I've seen baptism over and over again. I've seen it practiced. I've seen the message. I've visually seen the message, and I've heard the message. I really believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and therefore I am saved based on his word, based on what his authority, authority Authoritative word says, based on what God has said and what he's had inspired men to write, I'm saved today because of his word and because of his spirit and because of Jesus Christ. The father loved us enough to send his son. And when the son died on the cross, was raised again. When God raised him from the dead, that's God the father, raised him from the dead. Jesus said, if I go away, I will send you a comforter. I will send you a counselor. I'll send you somebody to get you through the thick and the thin times of life. And who did he send, church? Holy Spirit. And listen, the Bible's very clear. That day when I receive him as my Lord and Savior, he didn't just give me himself and say, hey, as soon as some dude lays his hands on you, you can have the Holy Spirit later. Hope you make an appointment to go get your Holy Spirit. Anybody do that? You're wasting your time if you make that appointment. I don't have the Holy Spirit in my fingers. I don't have time or possession to give you Holy Spirit taken from you. But what I do have, listen, I can pray for you, and the Holy Spirit drops down on us, right? He comes from God. If we profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There's no other way to get the Holy Spirit. You can dance a jig. You can do all the crazy mess that we see in churches sometimes. And if Jesus isn't present, you're wasting your time. It's just a show like buying a ticket for the James Brown Coliseum. It's just got a different name out front. If there's, if there's an act going on up here, listen, and it's just for fun or just for, and the people don't live it out during the week, there's no evidence of the Holy Spirit. You're kind. You're loving. You're truth-telling. You do things for others. You go out of your way. You're not all about self. You're about others first. Joy. Jesus first, others second, and then yourself. Remember what Jesus said the greatest command? Love God. Love others as you love yourself. He put it in order. That's how our marching orders are as Christians. What do we do with our enemies? We, want, we call them enemies for a reason, don't we? That's what we want to do. What does he tell us to do? I tell you, love your enemies. Well, you don't understand. Love your enemies. My family, love your family. Because they can act like enemies sometimes, can't they? Love, love, love. That's how we live. And then we can measure each other's life. Are you loving? 
Y'all know I had a heart attack in October. I keep joking about that. But somebody said that God had to break my heart physically for me to start hugging people. So if you want to hug today, see me. I'll hug you. I won't like it, but I'll do it, just for the record. So uh, don't hug me, Mike. I'm going to knock you out. So listen, y'all. God wants us to demonstrate love because he is love. He first loved us before, before we even thought about him. He first loved us and invited us to the party of heaven. It's amazing to think about. It's a glorious walk we have. Let's pray together. Our God and our Father, Lord, we thank you today that you know us by name. And we thank you that you created us in your image. And Lord, then you turn back around after we sinned against you. You came to this earth, Emmanuel, God with us. You came to earth that we might, Lord, have record that you died for us. As we saw baptism today, we saw the picture of death on the cross, burial in the grave, in the tomb, and in resurrection. Lord, you're such a good God, and what else can we do besides turn to you and say, yes, Lord, I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. Yes, God, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Yes, God, I want to be more and more like Jesus. And Lord, as we've had an opportunity over the past year and so to meet Jesus each Sunday morning, we've had a time to read our Bible ourselves. Lord, we can't help either to believe on you and draw closer to you or to reject you. There is no halfway taking bits and pieces of what we'd like. Lord, it's all in or none at all. And Lord, I pray today if there's somebody on the fence with you today, that they would settle, that they know that they know that they know they're saved. Father, in knowing they're saved, they have eternal life. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray today.